Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Welcome to J.M., a production of iHeartRadio. Hey everyone, content warning before we start the show. This episode contains a lot of discussion about sexual violence. So if there are children around or you're sensitive to this subject matter, please take caution or skip this episode. Peace and love, y'all. Jill Scott presents J.M. with my sister friends, Aja. And Laia. And I'm Jill Scott. What's up, everybody? Uh, today, we're going to talk about some heavy shit. Yup, we're going to talk about some heavy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are going to talk about what, ladies? Damn, is it another way to say this? But I guess not. Mm. Um, we're gonna be talking about the mechanics around sexual assault and the evolution because things are changing. Better keep up, keep up with the rules. Mm -hmm. Sexual assault. Okay, so first of all, let's define it. What is it? What defines sexual sexual assault? This is according to the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline. The, the overall definition of sexual or indecent assault is an act of physical, psychological, and emotional violation in the form of a sexual act inflicted on someone without their consent. It can involve forcing or manipulating someone to witness or participate in any sexual act. May I destroy you? <laughs> hmm. I may destroy you. Why do I always mess it up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I may destroy you was 
on the HBO, you know, and it focuses on the aftermath of what happens in the mind of a sexual assault victim. And it also talks about the many ways in which consent can be violated. It definitely talks about the the aftermath of sexual assault and what happens like emotionally and mentally to victims, but it also discusses some of the gray area around consent. And I wouldn't even say gray area. It's just helping us to further understand the word consent. I personally feel that we have just really scratched the surface on this conversation. We, in my opinion, are the first generation out of the emergence of a national conversation around what rape or rape culture is. So there was no way for us as a generation to even get this totally right. We're just Mm. too close to the cutoff to where no one talked about women at all to they just begin to talk about women. We were the date rape era. That was like our evolution of rape. Like that's when they decided that you could be on a date and yes, it'll be rape. That's what, our generation. Very interesting. If you think about it. Well, they, we just start talking about that. Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm born in 78. And in 1970, either 1970, between 1970 and 77, you're talking about around that, that, that decade. That's when you first started getting even like domestic violence shelters. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, those are, th- that's how late to the game the conversation has been around women and violence in this country. And then we don't even want to talk about what it is about black women and violence in this country and particularly being victims of our own men. Hello. Mm. So yeah, a lot, but the consent thing I think is the, the order of the day. Mm-hmm. What is it? What does it look like? Uh, I think oh, I was just watching a futuristic show where they, they actually decided that it's like, it's part of getting your birth control. I forget what show I was watching where they're about to have sex and they take a pill and they say, I consent. And then the birth control comes out so they can use it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just on show on Hulu uploaded. I think it might've been uploaded. Yeah. Wow. At this point, it's like you have to make a video or a a voice recording or something where you both say that this is what we want to do. And this is what we're going to do. Because remember, Jill, even if you decide this is what you're going to do it, now we have to agree that I want to do this actual act. Because right if now. you do an act on me, exactly. If you do an act on me that I didn't want to do, that is, again, a form of sexual assault. Like, yeah, I wanted to do a missionary style, but I didn't want to do it from the back. Well, I don't know if it's, see, see, I don't know. See, I think it's important that we don't trivialize the situation. Um, I don't mean to, I'm sorry. Because, and, and I know you didn't mean to, I know you weren't coming from it from the spirit of that. Mm-mm. I know that the tendency is when we start thinking about how to, to dig deeper into these things, the tendency mm-hmm. is to pick out the most minute situation as being the rule. And I think it's not necessarily, I mean, not minute, but the most, uh, you know, specific situation to, to make it the rule. Like, I mean, oh, we can't, we can't do a doggy style. We have to have permission for that. I think really what it all boils down to is how we communicate with each other and how sensitive we are to each other's reactions to certain things and how we communicate with one another. And also, too, coming out of a, of a society that just values the safety of women. 
I just think it's a cultural shift thing, not just a, okay, now it's okay for you to kiss me. Now it's okay for you to touch me. Now it's okay for you to so-and-so. If the general idea is that the woman has agency over her body and that that's a, a culturally acceptable thing, you will treat that entire interaction differently. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it sounds, it sound, it, no, you, you're right. It's, it just, I feel like it sounds easier than it is coming from a male perspective. And mind you, I don't mean to come from a male perspective, but we don't have one here. So I'm just trying to think like, you. yeah, like, okay, so you got to, okay. Yeah, but the male perspective is like us sitting here trying to find the white perspective. Why do we have to worry about the male perspective? I mean, at this time, we're the ones who are in the position of society that says that we don't matter. We're in the position of society that says we don't have a voice. We're in the position of society where we're over-sexualized. And so why, why do, do they have, have to, to be in a conversation yes, all the why time? why do we have to worry or center how this affects them? They have to discuss that. What are you going to do to avoid that situation? Well, I asked y'all that because y'all are mothers of sons. That's my point. I think that Mm -hmm. we have to consider them to some degree um, because we have men that we love all around us. Uncles, brothers, cousins, grandfathers. You know, there's men that we love. So, for instance, um, years ago, my favorite uncle in the whole world um, was accused of rape. He was accused of rape and he was arrested and he was going to prison, according, you know, to what this woman said. And for whatever reason, uh, probably because he didn't rape her, she decided on in tears, I'm so sorry. I was just mad at him. I wanted him to be my man. And I said this, but he never did this. And um, She admitted it? She admitted oh, this was in the uh early 70s so it was, it was mm-hmm. right before maybe maybe the late 60s and um she admitted that that never happened but i think about it and who he is and the kind of man that he was you know um this was blues child this was a kind hearted man this was an intelligent mm-hmm. man this was a man to that went on to marry a woman so and love her so splendidly even now it it makes me you know emotional how beautiful he loved his woman and how he cared for his children and his mother you know this was not his nature that wasn't who he was but had that young woman you know gone on with with that story out of bitterness or whatever um, you know, being cast aside for somebody else or or nothing else, you know, um, he probably would have spent the most part of his life in somebody's prison. Now, when you go into somebody's prison, when um, rape is the charge, you can already assume what's going to happen in there and how yeah, that affects. It depends. And I it's- know that women are like, oh, why do we have to think about them? Because... Because we've been affected, because we've been affected, and and to be honest with you guys, and to be totally forthright, like I've been on the other side of that Jill when she didn't come back and say, "No, I was lying." Like I, when I first went to college, my boyfriend was accused of rape by a white woman in Jersey. It was one word against another, and he ended up serving a prison sentence of six years, <gasps> coming out and being like, "How do I use this cell phone?" So. It you, you and then and then to be totally upfront with you, the odd part about all of it was as he's going through his trial, I'm going through my trial because I just got sexually assaulted on my college campus. So sitting there and witnessing as a, a victim and then being on the side of the accused, it was just a moment. It was a moment in knowing about like the rape shield laws and knowing that victims are protected, which they should be. 
within their, within the 24 hours of their situation where you cannot speak on what happened in that 24 hours of their life. Even if like my ex at the time, that girl had had sex with multiple dudes within her 24 hours and did cocaine and did all these other things that could not be spoken about because that is a rape shield. That's the same rape shield that I'm being protected in Atlanta as I'm uh, looking at my teenage, uh, you know, mm. uh, so it's, it's just, it's so heavy in all ways. And that's why I think we do have to look at it, like Jill said, in the sense of a holistic type of way and understanding from all sides of how this shit works. It's, I think it's a lot of it has to do with us, with us educating our sons and educating the men around us um, mm-hmm. and trying to find the words to make it real simple and plain. Real simple and plain. If the if the N word ever comes out, and that's no. If the N word comes out at any mm-hmm. point, it's time to get up and get your ass out of there. Just get out. Apologize and roll. I, I'm sorry. I did not mean in any way to disrespect you. I I I thought that this is where we were going. This is uncomfortable to you. I, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. That's what we have to teach them. I really think that that's the route. To, yeah, to, no, you're right about that. I wish he would have just said, get out. Or, or just I mean, take I think, the initiative I definitely think that having, I mean, having, having conversations with our sons around consent is absolutely essential. Um, and even looking at it from a holistic point of view, I think is important as well. But for Black people and for Black men and women, it's very important that we can't really have a conversation about the male experience, particularly when it involves the justice system, uh, uh, where without talking about racism. So these things are going to have to get addressed. It's a separate issue, but it Mm -hmm. has to be addressed. So I think a lot of times what ends up happening for us as Black women, we tend to center, not center, want to address the male's needs in that situation because we want to protect him from racism. Shit, you're right. And so unfortunately, what that does is it puts an added weight on us as women and added emotional labor and labor around being a victim to carry. So what I'm saying is that, yes, it's important that our sons are protected from a justice system that will happily put them away mm-hmm. for anything, anything, mm-hmm. for anything. Mm-hmm. But that is also an element that is some that is linked together but at the same time too is separate at some point our men and men in general must carry society's burden or the burden of their own privilege and so because for black men they have a privilege in this conversation and they have a marginalization in this conversation it is just dually difficult for them just and they rarely are just, in this conversation and yeah and just as it is difficult for us so i just you know so it's not a matter of just being like forget men they don't matter here they absolutely do matter, but it is important that as women, and particularly as Black women, all women, but particularly as Black women, that we're very clear on not making the racial aspect of it um, part of our labor in this situation. Because as women, we're just, victims just do not have the same rights that non-victims do, even when the victims are actually men as well. Damn, Asia. So we always protect them. I want the brotherhood. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. I I miss that. I I want that. 
I want to be able to say that so-and-so was inappropriate with me or tried to do something that I didn't want. And I need those brothers to go and whoop his motherfucking ass. That's what I want. I want that. It depends on who he is. When the consequence was getting your motherfucking ass whooped, and I say it the way I said it. Come on now. When the consequence was that, cats kind of held themselves together a lot more. But because, you know, willy-nilly, we just out here. And I have to say, I, oh, you're not going to like this. You are not going to like it. Go ahead. When, Come on. When we put ourselves in harm's way, it's like it's like standing on a train track. You know what I'm saying? Why, my dear, my dear sister friend, you can't go to this man's room at 2 o'clock in the morning. You can't, you can't do that. You cannot. You're putting yourself on a train track and you're expecting, you're expecting to be safe. You have to have some accountability for your safety. You have to. You cannot mess around and, and be with a group of guys that, that um, you're not, that you don't know very well and have very little clothing on and think that they're going to be accountable for you. You can't. You're gonna hate this. Um, You're gonna hate it because I don't you hate it. I don't hate it. I just can't wait to see what Asia say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't hate it. I think that it is just a reason why we're still having this conversation because we gotta graduate beyond this idea that yeah, we have to be concerned about our own safety. Of course, you don't. You don't just walk down an alleyway. But I think we have graduated in this country past this conversation of individual accountability into um, the accountability of the systems themselves. So we don't want to discuss why we live in a city where you can't walk down an alleyway. Mm. We just talk, we just tell ourselves don't walk down the alleyway. Mm -hmm. But what we should be discussing is why there's so much crime. Why are we afraid to walk down an alleyway? Why is the alleyway not safe? Why are the people who are making the alleyway not safe resorting to making people unsafe? This is, these are the questions we have to begin to more focus on because we've been talking, telling women, we've been telling women since the beginning of time. That you're responsible for your safety. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, you gotta, I am. You can't be around men. You can't do this. You can't wear this. We've been telling women that for centuries, and yet they still get raped. So wait, they can still it, get molested. Is there, but is there something to that? I'm just asking because you, you mentioned the alley, but in in Jill's example, I, excuse me for playing moderator here. Well, she kind of gave the hotel room thing. Like, what is what is the answer to that part? If y'all think that women will, and I know you don't think this, let me start with that. Okay. It's more of like a figurative thing. Okay. If y'all think that women are not going to get raped just because we eliminate going to hotels late at night, bro, that is not the majority of the way this thing happens. I get that. And the brotherhood aspect of it too is that, yeah, we in our minds, I think we think the brotherhood is more realistic than it really is. When my mother was coming mm -hmm. up in the 1950s, trust and believe, my uncle went to jail for trying to kill a man who tried to rape my aunt. You feel me? So I get what you're saying. That brotherhood did exist. That's gone. That's gone. It did exist, but it, it existed simultaneously with? with a culture that did not protect women at all. In the 50s, girls weren't safe, some of them in their own homes, with their own brothers, with their own uncles, with their own daddies. And that's where that's where it gets the most tricky because it's not like it in no way. I'm I'm a, I, I was raped. So 
I grasp all of this. I'm not saying that it was my fault. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's any mm-hmm. woman's fault. I'm saying that you don't walk down New York City streets with your purse open and your money hanging out. You have to be mindful and protect yourself. You have to, because we have not dealt with the systems. We have not looked into what is going on on our television screens or on our phones or in our music. We're not dealing with that. And until we actually make it uh make make a staple of how you know you think about women or the the mentality of our men of of all races and ages until we deal with that system that is clearly fucked until we mm-hmm. deal with that then we have to be mindful and do the best we can to protect ourselves I like it when women know how to fight. I like it. I like it when a woman is proficient with her weapons. I like it if somebody can hold a knife and, and take somebody all the way down. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is what I'm saying, that it's imperative that we know how to, to protect ourselves as much mm-hmm. as possible and not put ourselves in harm's way. It's, yeah, it's, an uh, it's an addition no, to. It's an I'm addition to. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Absolutely. We don't disagree. Right. I just personally feel that we are already and have been for decades coming at this problem from that point of view. Yeah. Yes, there are some women that are going to fall through the cracks in that conversation, just as anyone would. But I do believe that this is the work that we as women have consistently been doing, that our mothers did, that our grandmothers did. This is the work that we've always been taught. It's time for us to focus on the work that's not already being done. And that's kind of where my head is on it. But I don't disagree with you on that. I love the fact that you even incorporated the idea of self-defense and understanding Mm. how to wield a weapon, how to take care of yourself, how to protect your family. But um, and so I, I absolutely I'm absolutely in agreement with that part of it. I just you know, want to make sure that we're talking about this. But I also want to mention this as well. There was a really interesting art exhibit that that existed, I want to say like last year, mm-hmm. where this woman um, hung uh, either onto the wall or from the ceiling clothing that rape, vid- rape victims were wearing at the time that they were raped. And I think it's really important for us to continue to remind ourselves that we do sometimes live in this vision of what we think rape is that might actually be based on society, our own particular experiences. Because as I've also been raped, I'm a victim of date rape. I've been in that situation as well. So I'm just going to say that I think sometimes we, we, we believe and begin to believe some of these scenarios that aren't actually indicative of the, 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 the norm. The norm is usually not somebody who's dressed in a right. quote unquote, like we, in a, we right. weren't right. We weren't all three of us were were assaulted. We weren't. I was right. wearing jeans and a t shirt. Me too. Walking from the corner store. Hmm. So I'm just saying, like all of this, the, this typically doesn't happen that way. This is actually the story that men tell that we find ourselves consistently retelling. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there were some women who went up to a hotel room with whomever and was in this or out late with a bunch of dudes, you know, and, and, and found herself in a situation where she wasn't safe. 
So I do agree with that. Safety is, is safety is number one. And being but, mindful is super, super important because you're walking around with a gold mine. And plus, you're can I just add this point? With, you're walking around with every man's fantasy and, and, and you know, uh, uh, straight guys, you know, pleasure. You, you got it. Yeah. You're carrying it with you. You got a bag full of diamonds in your panties. And anybody and everybody, you know, um, and, and it, because of the society is so sick, if you wonder, if you question if it is, then then go on a porn site and, and look up Rip Her or look up. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's when um, a man uh, rips uh -oh, the clothing off context. a woman. You know what I'm, I'm saying? And that's a thing. Um, and it's it's millions of views. If you questioning this, there is a thing. There's something happening and has always been happening in this society where women are are pulled apart in pieces, little tiny pieces to uh, makes me ill. And not to mention the different levels of, you know, a black woman being assaulted versus a woman of another color and the reaction from authorities, you know what I mean? Versus it's, it's a whole mind fuck of I might not get in trouble as much because... Uh, because she's Black. But check yeah. this. We're also not having a much wider discussion about the fact that people who are disabled are actually sexually assaulted at a much yeah. higher level. And that we're not talking about women who don't identify, um, of, don't are not feminine identifying. Right. Or we're not talking about trans women. And we're not talking about, you know, these are all situations that that literally do not fit into this narrative that we always end up right back at this narrative, you know, about that's very heteronormative, that's mm -hmm. particular to this one particular thing. And I think when we're talking about sexual assault and particularly against women, but also remembering also too that men, men are sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. my, my son's freshman year, there was uh, a student at Morehouse that sat outside in a protest on, um, on a mattress saying, this is the mattress that I was raped on. Because he couldn't get any justice. What? So I'm saying that we have to begin to open up this conversation in such a way so we start to see the vast different stories of sexual assault so that we really begin to understand that in many instances, the you know, your sexuality and, and, the, and the people who will violate it is they are getting an okay from a society that says you are not protected. And the more of these groups you identify with, the more unprotected you are. Mm -hmm. If you are a woman, if you are a black woman, mm -hmm. so if you're a black woman who is disabled, who is also non-binary, like all of these, all of these different things will make you even more susceptible to these things. Like I said, from a systemic uh, point of view, and I hate to keep going back to that, but really for me, that's where my heart is on this subject because um, I just recognize that we are in a state of emergency. And we're just becoming really aware to the enormity of the problem and how sewn and woven it is into our everyday practices and lives. And I'm, mm -hmm. I, for one, am trying to change 
all the language that I use around it because I feel like it starts with the with the way I tell the story. It starts mm. with my language. It starts mm. with how I discuss this with victims. You know what I mean? And even with myself, because I don't know about y'all, I got raped on a date. So I, it took me 10 years. Yeah. No, yeah, I got raped by a teenager. Me too, but, on a date. And but I, not, I was in college though. To <laughs> even admit that I had been raped. Yeah. What? What? That's different, and, and I know it's different for some type of I date rate. That's struggle with that victim word. I struggle with that one. I mm-hmm. do. I do. How survivors probably the better word for sure. Did you guys, when y'all told y'all moms, did y'all get the? My mom said to me, she was like, you know, it's really hard to find a woman who hasn't had this experience, babe. Like this is unfortunately uh, seems like a part of being a woman. Peep, I remember my mom telling me that. Peep the math. It's three women. Three women talking. That's what this mm. is. That's what this whole J.Ill experience is. It's three women communicating, and each one of us has been sexually assaulted. Well, damn. Yeah, I guess that's Well, damn. I mean, for some reason, when I first had my kids, I, I, I don't know who gave me this, but they were like, somebody gave me this statistic. And they were like, one out of every four women is sexually assaulted. And I found this out after I had the twins when I officially had four daughters. And so I had to live with the numerical reality that one of my daughters would be sexual sexually assaulted. Uh, uh, uh. Damn, Asia, that's deep. Uh, that's heavy. That's heavy. Like, listen, I love black men. My life is a testament to that. But I will be ha- I will be fine in life if I never have to actually verbalize that again. Because at the end of the day, my life says that it is better that I spend my time centering it around the liberation of black women because if black women are liberated, black men will be also. I'm not sure about that. Mm, yeah, I feel like I gotta go home and think on it. That's some, I'm not sure. It's like homework. That. You know, uh, I love y'all. Yeah, love and, and this is the we are, that thought. We are adults, that. so we have the capacity to agree to disagree and to keep it pushing and find ways to mm-hmm. understand each other. And that's, that, that's fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I watched, um, it, it depends on the liberation. Let's say for instance, we're talking about, um, we're talking about black women and education and how right. we are super educated out here now. I mean, mm-hmm. most sisters I know, you know, have some kind of masters or or PhD. I mean, they're pretty. Are we much outnumber an undergrad? Absolutely, yeah. we're killing the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. While our men go to prison, like mm-hmm. we are being liberated and we are liberating ourselves in a lot of ways. But the majority of our um, of our men end up going to somebody's jailhouse. Like so, as we are liberated, does not mean that it's occurring. Uh, for see, our men. to me, to me. Formalized education to me is not necessarily a, a form of liberation. If, if if that means we have to go out and make sixty three cents to the dollar, then to me, how is the how am mm. I liberated by my by my education? You better say it. I mean, to me, sixty cents to the seventy five. The white woman seventy five. Better say right? it. So to so I'm just saying that I want to be clear. Black men are important. Black men matter. I love black men. They deserve love. They deserve healing. Yes. They deserve all of those things. I am saying that I myself must begin to use my energy and my emotional labor to the liberation of Black women because we fall much lower down on the totem pole 
and that that's the way liberation and equity works. You address the person who is the most vulnerable, which also means that me as a heterosexual black woman, I have to recognize my privilege. Mm. And I have to make sure that when I'm in certain spaces to say, hey, we ain't here talking about black women. Where are the trans black women? Mm. So so there's a there's a moment for me where I've, uh, there's just a, a moment for me that came even just in the last couple of years where I started to understand or started to decide where I was going to put my mental and emotional energies. Right. And um, and that's just a personal decision, but it's not an indication of any love that's less. It's not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I want um, my husband and my son to feel free, free. We talked about freedom at one point in another in another show. Ultimately, I want them to have freedom. But I realized, too, that the world will liberate a male before it will liberate me. So then where does that stand? And then when I decide to say there's been no progress, they'll say, well, no, we gave this to those men, to the men. We worry about them. Like, come on, guys. We're more Uh, likely to die during childbirth. We're more likely to have, you know, hella different, you know, physiological problems. If there's no one to give birth to these men, how do we preserve their lives if we can't give birth to them? Fair. I think it's exhausting being a black woman. (laughs) You better tell it and know it. I take a nap every day. If I could get two. (laughs) If I could take the nap ministry. Listen, if I could take two. I will certainly try to get in there. Thank you, We'll be back after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers 
or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is an illness in society when it comes to sexuality. There is a problem. People, everybody's bucking. Baka, 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 baka. You know, just, just bucking. They have no concept of what it's like to connect to another person. There's something that's magnificent and beautiful about that. And of course you can switch it up and baka, 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 baka. You know what I mean? It's the sexuality. So yeah, you're going to get it, you know, in, in many different ways. But it shouldn't just be this one way uh, where the woman is completely submissive or, you know, beaten down. I, 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 hear, the, I hear the guys, I got male friends. I listen to them talk. I, you know, they, what do they say? Um, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's some kind of beat it up. You know, it's always yeah, don't you like all their words, oh. all their words for sex are violent words. Violent. Oh, no, I was listening to some song the other day and he was like, he gonna burn it and incinerate it to the point. <laughs> I was like, you gonna incinerate my pussy? I don't even like when it's anything hot down there, even when it's sweating. What are you talking about? Incinerate? 
Incinerate. Uh, hey, what was the song where the dude said he was going to incinerate the pussy? That's hard. Okay, he's not here, but he was, I'm sorry, he might be on the phone having a whole professional conversation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As, as a writer, I just think that there's a lot of ways to be sexual that don't necessarily have to use the words. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, beat the pussy up. <gasps> beat the pussy up. Beat the pussy up. Back uh, up off of that mic. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Is that too much? Oh, I'm going to <laughs> Golly. She was just, it was for effect because that's how the song sounds. It does. It for it effect. Does. Where do you see my dick? Oh, <laughs> I love the whisper song. No, that used to be my jam. I love it too. My favorite part is when they go, pew, pew. All of these women are dancing. All of them. I'm sorry. Every this last is one, very including this myself. Is inappropriate. We, this was supposed to be a very special J.L. presents no, a sexual listen, assault. Let me just we're say not that. presenting sexual assault. We're just I mean, <laughs> we're talking about it. Sorry, crazy. Um, oh. <laughs> no, but listen, guys. Seriously, though. But listen. That the playfulness of it and and the playfulness of it and 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 whoo child Mm-mm. listen we mm-hmm. as women enjoy sex we enjoy all of that yes. so mm-hmm. I just think it's, it's one of those things where the potential of what sexuality can be and what it can be outside of these umbrellas the big umbrellas the the patriarchy white supremacists whatever but but even down to like violence and all when we come from underneath those umbrellas there's freedom there's sexual freedom and intimacy there yeah. but when you said the thing about connection and also to sexual assault is also not even about sex we all know it's about power and control but again and 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 manipulating power dynamics but then again you were saying the thing where it was like about connections as a society, we are not good at that. So it trickles down to every little thing. Mm. We're just not good at it. No. Yeah. That is, a, that is a, a very big problem and a concern. What is it? What is it? Is, is it the television? Is it the porn? I, I've, I've, I've often thought it was the porn. You know, it just limits and minimizes what, what sex actually is. There's a beauty in this thing. And we're just being nasty, just nasty. I'm a freak. I'm a freak. I'm a freak. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm trying to tell you that there's more. There's so much more than that. And mm-hmm. that the problem is the mentality and what's being poured into our men, um, you know, that puts us in a dangerous, in a dangerous, this is propaganda. It's white supremacy. It's an illness. <laughs> Because of slavery. It's because a, of it's slavery. An illness. It's a mental illness. <laughs> when you think you could just jump on somebody. Like you, you, you don't No, it is. I mean, you don't it is, though. you have mm. no thoughts about how this person, this human being that is so attractive to you right now may feel. You don't you don't recognize that they have emotions and feelings too. That they, they and you don't want her to feel good at all. You don't care how she feels at all. At like that's all. not even well, again, sex is like supposed I to be said, about. We're assuming that this is about sex, and it's about like I said, I feel like it's, it's about, about power. power. It is. It's about power dynamics. It's not really about sex. And it depends on who is doing the assaulting. Correct. Like everybody probably you know got different reasons and different background. I'm sure then everybody is, doesn't fall under the same. Then what background. does that say about the men in our society that they feel powerless? Yes, those men. Probably. They probably were victims of assault themselves. 
I mean, look at the whole R. Kelly situation where it, it came to light that right. he had been ongoing, had been a, had been molested for many, many years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because of the society says it's okay for a, a man to be hypersexual, even when his high school teacher said, I knew that the boy was over-sexualized. But it didn't turn a light on in her head because guess what? He was a teenage boy and they're supposed to be hyper-over-sex like that. Yeah. So you by know, the time that evolved into bump and grind, it was just like, oh, that's the jam. I don't... It was already a full-on illness. Yeah. I had gone to see my gynecologist, and um, we're just that's talking. Good. Yeah, of course. We must see them. Um, we were talking, and she said that her son, um, I've switched gynecologists since, but um, at the time, she said that her son, um, half of the school had herpes. And we're talking about, you know, high school. You already mm-hmm. starting off with a venereal disease. God darn it. She said that they were passing it around to each other like like Skittles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sexuality is just going to evolve if you think about it like this. It's, so the things that we did in high school are, it's like times 10. Well, right? first of all, they don't have sex education in the schools anymore. No. I forgot they don't. No. That's number one. That's That's it right there. It's like, there's no sex ed in schools anymore. It used to be something we had to take. That's number one. They don't even know what herpes is. Some of these kids don't even know what HIV is. Wow. Can't even deal with that thought. I don't even know what I, I don't Yeah, that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's Teenagers a lot. are clueless. And it's forever. You don't you don't get rid of herpes. It's forever. Longer than longer than a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm not surprised. I am for one, me for one, I'm not surprised. And I think what what we're what we're looking at is <laughs> people get mad about certain artists or whatever and how highly sexual they are and if well, whatever the spectrum is. But these are the same people, like I said, who will happily watch the schools take sex ed out of the out of out of the system. These are people who will happily not have a single conversation with their child around pleasure, and but happy to have a conversation with their child about birth control, wow. which they ain't never going to use. Yeah. And you know, and we don't ever want to be real. We're not going to reveal about how many times we ourselves had had unprotected sex. People don't want to talk about that either. You know, and even if it's one time, one time is enough. Isn't that what we tell the kids? Yeah, no, I have no, I've, I've never had a problem telling people that because I've also said it's gotten me to a place where, you know, got to a hospital room and, you know, pro-choice. Miss made me pro-choice. Mis- you know, mistakes from teenage past. I think we should be honest about that. We're not, though. No. Mm. We're not, though. I do not think that we're in a time, and you would think that we would be, in a time where we're being forthright and honest with kids and young people about sex and sexuality. And we are not. Especially our we generation. Like, now that we're the... It's this age? It's like, us. We? Us? Yes. Come on, us. We should and absolutely have the right to. We're in a great position to talk to our kids. Yeah. The two live crew generation. That's Come right. On, like... Listen. It's part of a list of Gen X failures that we're going to have to come to terms with. Yeah. Well, everybody fails the generation following in some form or fashion. <laughs> like the way I'm just saying. <laughs>
I remember when I, I, I spoke about Bill Cosby and it came up. It, whoa, my, I mean, whew, that was that was a hard time um, because because so many women were angry with me and they felt like I was pro rape, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Ouch. I don't know how you formulate these things. How could I? I, I, I don't want anybody. How can you be pro rape? I Who don't is pro know. rape? I it's don't not even know. a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing at all. But at the time, um, before his, uh, before I got, what do you call it? Um, before, the trial? Not the trial. It was him admitting. Um, uh-huh. He didn't admit it. He, he's, in a sense, to me, he admitted it. You know, mm-hmm. like if a if a pedophile says, oh, I love it when little girls sit on my lap and I'm not a pedophile, but but I don't care. You just said that right. you love when little girls sit on your lap. So now, even if I had any questions about it now, I cannot ignore that statement. I can't let go right. of that. Who says that? Yeah. Like, who says that? Right. And that's what happened with with Mr. Cosby. You're talking about the Spanish fly thing where he talked about yes, that. Yes, but right. he mm-hmm. there was Oh, he did stand up. There okay. was a doc yeah. not the stand up. There was a no, document was saying <sighs> that he had done it before, that he had given women Spanish flies before. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, as much as, you know, I'm here because you have changed my life and 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 broadened the strokes of my life. You know, as far yeah. as seeing what college was, I, how would I know? I'm in North Philly. I don't know about college. You know, right. seeing what an HBCU felt like, seeing what family could be, seeing art on the walls, you know, just expanding my horizons and so Jazz many ways. on TV. Jazz <laughs> on TV. Just uh, Marion McCabe was on uh, that show. Yeah. Listen, Dizzy listen. Gillespie. Like, uh, my God. Yeah. Like, but it turn it, it really ties back into the conversation we were having earlier about yes, racism does play a part in how our men are perceived, particularly when they do something wrong, or, or if they are in a situation where they have to be reckoned with, either with the law or socially, right? Mm-hmm. So the so so even socially, they're going to be dealt with differently. But as women, we have to continue to center ourselves in the conversation so that we don't take on the weight of having to say, okay, because he's dealing with racism, now I have to give him this room where he will most likely be victimizing women, black women. Because the reality is, uh, yes, sir, you are dealing with racism, but so am I. Amen. So am I, and you wronged me. And you wronged me. And you wronged me. I'm sorry. This is not. Can I? I'm gonna hold it for ten more seconds so it don't. <laughs> I'm gonna use that one. And you wronged, wronged me. And you wronged me. <laughs> yes. There and there that is. We'll be back after the break. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of the Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
you can have it your way, if you can have it your way, what would you like for sexual offenders? Um, for for pedophiles, um, I'm I vote for. Um, damn it, it's so tough because yesterday I would have said death. Mm-hmm. Castration. <laughs> Castration. And clitoral removal. I Ooh. guess it's the same. I guess that's castration. Is that you how it You took that, that goes? To, some, to Somalia. All right. I'm just saying because well, women I mean, do there it are too. women who do it. Yeah. And but mm. again, that does that deals with the sexuality part. It doesn't deal with the power and the mentality of that. So yeah, what, for me, what do you think? Illness. illness. Yeah, what do it's you think? Illness. For me, this is this is a tough question for me. Because it's a tough question. This year, this year, I just started to shift my ideas around um, incarceration almost completely. Hmm. So, um, if you want to decarcerate, then you can decarcerate just you know these people, but not these people. So, if I had to reimagine a society in which jail is not a thing. I would say that, um, well, I'll say this, prior to jail not being a thing, if jail is going to always be a thing, I would say I would first start prosecuting people who, have, who, who commit sexual assault because for the most part, they don't get prosecuted. That's true that they do in some, sense, some senses of the word, but a lot of times they don't even get reported, let alone prosecuted. Unless and it's a goes, white woman. I'm unless, sorry. And, and, and that experience. goes along, right. And that goes along, but that's only if the person who does it to her is black. Right. So right. you also have a situation with that and molestation. But if I try to imagine a world where there's no jail, my first thinking is that there has to be a psychological evaluation and an emotional evaluation. Because usually what you're going to find is some sort of trauma. If we had a society that based that was based on healing trauma, I mean, across the board, and providing resource, I think there is a way in which we can help and heal people who have victimized others. There are people who may have certain issues that may be tied to mental illness that can't necessarily be fixed in that way. But if you have to separate them from society, you don't have to separate them from society in squalor. You don't have to separate them Mm -hmm. from society in ways that actually make their condition worse. There's ways to, if you, if, if we didn't look at mental health facilities as prisons, if mental health facilities were set up exactly how mental health facilities should be set up, then yes, they're not existent. They're damn near right. not existent anymore. They would be, yeah. That would be, uh, to me, a good solution for people who are dealing with something that is very linked to, and in most instances linked to, some sort of emotional or traumatic experience in which they have now become the violator. Which changes into a mental illness, which is, you know, some people do say that depending on your background and the situation that sexual assault... That it cannot people, be, yeah. Well, yeah. especially when they talk about pedophilia, because they yeah. talk about there's there's ways in which that cannot be... That just cannot be fixed. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I would start there, though. That would be my start. And that is the evolved ager from this from this year. I've been reading a lot of Angela Davis and kind of delving deep into this whole decarceration conversation. So that's kind of the lens I'm in I'm right now. curious about that word you use, decarceration. Like, okay. <laughs> Abolition. 
decarceration, no more mm -hmm. prisons, no more mm -hmm. jail, not in the way that they look now. I think there's some, I think the wild, um, the wild animals or rabbit animals, um, you know, if, if you can't get them the medication that they need, that they have to get put down because they are a harm to everyone around. Oh, and, shit. I do. I do. I can't trust white people with that decision. And that they part, put down niggas issue. that don't need to be put down. And that's an issue. <laughs> that's an issue. So basically what we're saying overall is that the problem is the system. The system is Always. the problem. And Always. how we deal with things. Uh, we don't, I don't know if we deal with things like people are, are human. Even mm -hmm. when you go to admit or go to someone and say that you've been um, sexually assaulted, how you're treated afterwards, you know, mm. um, yeah, the system, I think. OK, so it looks like that's what this is. Mm -hmm. But as I always say, how do you eat an elephant? One, one bite at a time. time. Which one? We're we going to take the bite at. There's a lot of places. It's it's a fat ass elephant. It's a fat ass. I would ass say you elephant. should really start. You should really start with um, Angela Davis. Uh, prisons obsolete. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no I'm, serious. I'm serious. I don't. I want to know where you got this uh, de incarceration. Uh, That's dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start with Angela Davis. She has a mm -hmm. book called "Our Prisons Obsolete." Mm -hmm. Really, really, really good place to start on that conversation. I think that there has to be more conversation about. Um, What's wrong with them? <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we've been on what's wrong with them before, and, and, and we'll be on what's wrong with them for quite some time. I think that we have to deal with what's wrong with them. You know, what would make you, what would make you want to um, harm somebody in that way? If, if we know that it's not about pleasure and sexuality, that we know that this is about power, uh, you have to question why is it that the men in our society and others don't feel powerful or they they're looking to feel powerful what is what is that this uh messing with your mind boo powerful over you yes because it doesn't last you know that your that power is fleeting you harm someone and then you go on about your business but that's why I think we've been kind of touching this, but it just needs to be a, a conversation. I know it needs to be a conversation, men and women generally, but there are some conversations that I think that black men and women need to have between us to create a, a sense of strength and foundation that's stronger than what we have. There are some conversations that are lacking about us feeling not protected and the reasons as to why they are, they are helping us feel this way. Like there's a, it just, I feel like, it's, it's just, it's pushing us closer and closer to this conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know that I believe that mm -hmm. most things that happen in shifts in culture start in language and how people communicate with each other. So that is absolutely the work that needs to be done, particularly in our community. Yeah. Because there's, there's a hard, it's, it's very difficult to see the difference. I think that a lot of people, black men and black women, they just dump us all into one pot. There go all the black people over there. 
and we got situ- issues, situations that we yeah. had to work out, and people don't even know. I'm like, I mean, we us, us as black women, we're exhausted because we sit here protecting men, protecting our trans community, our gay community, like what you just said, children, Asian, children, mm-hmm. like we protect everybody. Just the and women, women. would it be white out here protecting women. white women too? Women. And then last but not least, we come on me too, come ourselves. on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then last. last. Then we protect ourselves. Last. And that's right back where where we started. And I still feel the same way. Do the best you can. I know, I know there's lions and bears and wolves and hyenas out there, girls, ladies, women. Mm -hmm. Do the best you can to protect yourself. Be mindful of your surroundings. It's important. And I'm not trying to blame you or anybody else. I don't even blame myself uh, because I can't. Mm -mm. I know what happened Mm -hmm. to me. I'm saying to you, be mindful. Be mindful of where you are and who you're around. And if you don't know these dudes, you don't want this to happen. You don't don't want somebody to jump on you and and treat you as, as if you don't exist. You don't want that. Even if you think you're a guy's girl and you tough. Even if you think you're rough and tough, you (laughs) don't want that. It's a a terrible feeling and it's something that haunts you if you you allow it. That's what I'm going to say about that. Shout out to all the women ninjas. It was a moment when my mom, after my assault, and my mom said to me, you know, you should be aware that most women go through this. So if that's the case, and I, I took that and I, I, I've always been open in that way as, at the very least with women. I think us having conversations helps a lot and us knowing that we have experiences that are the same, that you're not alone out there. And then I also think at a certain point, you need to discuss this with the men in your life. Like, I don't think that we should, it should be left with just the women. I feel like the, especially the, the love, the man that's in your love life or the man or woman, whoever the person is, you should let them know because oftentimes you don't know the physical aspects. I know for a long time, just to share my own personal, I had a problem like during sex, like opening my legs wide, right? I had a, a midwife tell me that sometimes when women are sexually assaulted, they don't know that they're, they're, that happens. Like they have issues physically in that way. of. So I just think that conversations are key like not keeping it to yourself like initially is is just so important because the things that can happen when you keep it to yourself can you can implode from the i I agree with laia i do too because i think men don't are not able to understand i think usually in the giving people in general the benefit of the doubt that Mm -hmm. men operate from a place like, oh, I love my mom and my sister and my home and my girlfriend, but they don't look at those women as the as survivors of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Because typically that's not a conversation those women are going to have with them. Mm-hmm. And so it takes away, it it it, it creates a otherness when they're talking about sexual assault. Those are those women over there that that happens to. Mm-hmm. Not the women who I love, right? Because I'm here. And I love them. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's very, I, I just, you know, wanted to kind of build on what she was saying because I, I totally agree with that. I also think that compassion is so important when you are discussing very difficult subjects. If we don't have compassion and everything is 
about you when you don't have compassion, you can't listen to someone who you disagree with without getting angry. And I think a lot of times in the social media spaces, there's a lack of compassion. And when people discuss things, it's all about quick whips and who can who can shave somebody the quickest or throw out the the uh, you know whatever facts they can grab from Google real quick. And people go back and forth, back and forth, and it's not really, you know, it, it elevates the conversation nationally, but it doesn't elevate the conversation. It doesn't make the conversation itself elevated. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I I, I would say is only engage in these conversations in circles where empathy and compassion is present. That hey. Part. <laughs> hey. It's, it's just like, in, I keep trying to figure out how to not be emotional. How, how can anybody get out of their feelings to present information when it comes to being sexually assaulted, when it comes to being raped. How, I, I just, that's, that challenge right there is massive. How, how do you, so, you know, when, what happens is if someone brings up rape, Everybody that's been raped, and we've already discovered that it's typically, you know, um, 80% of the room, you know, typically. Damn! Right now it's 100? Right now it's 100% of the room. So Mm -hmm. how, how, damn. How are you not emotional about something like this the work that it takes to not be emotional and to present information that even that takes time that takes a lot of time and i'm not sure that it's it's even possible i'm not sure about that what occurred with me happened years ago and nonetheless i when i think about it i do want to stab him. I do. I do. I really do. And and I don't know how, you know, to not feel that way. With the same intensity, Jill, as like Absolutely. it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I got <laughs> I gotta tell y'all, in my situation, I kind of did the black woman thing, because you know. Like I said, I was in college. I was in my, I was 19 and it was a 15 year old and I kind of went for the protection and I was worried about how he even got to the point where he would have a gun on a woman and want to do that. So when it got to the the trial, it was like, can we just figure out how to get him some help? I did just the so whole, many different I should, versions. I did the whole, I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been there and that lasted for 10 years. I did the Damn. same thing. Damn. I shouldn't have been there. Had I not been there, it wouldn't have happened. I mean, there are going to be women who are not not either, like you said, in in the emotional space, not able to have that conversation without going right back to that, to to the actual trauma. And there are also going to be people, women, men, young people who cannot, 
who just don't have the energy and the bandwidth to mm-hmm, be out speaking true. out about it. You hold tight and heal because those of us who can should and we will. Because we have to look out. I just for one want a band of brothers. I want a band of brothers that you know are in every city, and you just call them and say, "Hey, listen, this is what occurred. I need you to whoop this motherfucker to his ass until tomorrow. Yes, I, I need love you to that. put him in the hospital. I need him to go 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 down. I need stuff broken. That's what I yeah. want. Okay, I'm just saying that in reality, that is that is that is what I would want. I would want that. You don't, you you know, causing pain, emotional, spiritual pain to somebody like that. Like, God darn it, you just deserve it. You deserve to get that ass all the way whooped. I just want it to be easier for for people to tell their story because if it, it, you can deal with a situation when you have details, sexual assault yeah. is so fucking murky because nobody actually talks about it. You don't even realize sometimes it's. Somebody did the shit to 10 other women. You know what I'm shit. saying? Sometimes or, you don't know that anything has happened until you wake up with your thigh wet. That part. That part. That part. I may destroy you. That's yes. what happened. Uh, yep. It ain't easy being a woman or a man and or I, and a I, human being. And I definitely did the thing and I and I still do. And I, I won't um, make the same mistake again, which is why I'm so adamant about this. Be mindful of where you are and who you are around. Be mindful. Because had I had the foresight, had I been mindful of my surroundings, had I been mindful of, and I'm not trying to blame myself. You're I'm not. trying to be accountable. Me too. I should have walked it's to the store difference. with somebody. It's a no, difference. No, you're right. You're right. Right. I'm not trying to blame victims. I'm not trying to make people victims. I, I, that is not my effort, nor anywhere in my intention. I'm saying that it is imperative for you to use your mind, sis. You got a gold mine in your panties. You got diamonds in there, and there are wolves and cheetahs that's out there trying to get it. Hey, and like my mama said, if you got to jump out the car, you just. She said I had to jump out the car on a nigga. He wasn't going the right way. Jump out the motherfucking car. Listen. Girl. I mean, I'm just saying, look, I, I, mm. I, I told you people out here, but I will have to say I might have to. This is where we might have to disagree on the diamonds and pearls thing. I think presenting vagina like it's like it's a treasure is has I think is part of the language we need to shift a little bit they because they want the treasure because they want the goddamn treasure. You keep talking about the shit is diamonds. <laughs> they, call it, it. they call treasure they booty. It. They, they call treasure it. booty. It's just vagina. It's like a knee or an elbow. It's a part of the body. Oh, my vagina is special. I don't know what about your vagina. My vagina is special. Oh, no, sis. It's VIP up in here. Okay, I don't know about your general interest. I'm just joking. That joke right there. Listen, let me tell you a song. (laughs) Make somebody cry. Make somebody motivated and get up and change their life. Hello. Listen, she done wrote songs about it. And I wrote songs about it. It's it, it, it's nice, <laughs> it's nice. But like I said, that's why these girls is walking around thinking that they done ruined their life by giving the damn thing away. Cause no. we keep on presenting it like it's this thing that it ain't. 
Well, that's a hard, it's a hard middle in there somewhere because I do mm-hmm. want my, my, my coochie to look like it's up on a pedestal. But I, I understand what you're saying, where it's like it's so far up that now they really want to breach, jump and try to find and get it. So I, I don't I don't know what to do about that. I Because it is special. Very. Very. It is not an elbow. This Man. thing, this thing, it's a tunnel, it's a passageway. This thing, listen, listen. to what? To heaven. To, yeah. <laughs> While you alive. <laughs> While you're alive. While you're alive. Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with you, Laia, on that. When that thing is <laughs> a wonderfully made, beautifully Shit. made creation. Hey, listen, I'm this ain't no target, right. Coochie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Listen, I, I'm going to tell y'all. You know, ask about me. Ask about me. Listen, ask about me. I don't have to. It's still still a body part. (laughs) No. That thing, that's a precious treasure that you have, in my opinion. And you have to be mindful that you're carrying around something really special. Just be mindful who you're with. And even the women that you're with. Be mindful. And I'm not, you know, again, I have to just try to be really, really clear. I'm not blaming you and I'm not blaming me. What I am saying is there is accountability to all things. To all things. You you didn't you didn't do your homework. You didn't do your homework. You didn't mow the grass or mow the lawn or get it mowed, then the lawn is crazy and you, the HOA come on you. You know what I mean? There's, there's That's the HOA. <laughs> the just, HOA I'm come just, on you. I'll come on you. I'm just, there is accountability to all things. And I think it's very important for us to be mindful and stop walking around nilly-willy with, this, with these treasures we got here. Because somebody going to jump on you and try to get it. And if we could deal with the systematic illness, the mental illness of people who have, um, I don't know what that is, where they're trying to get some kind of power or feel powerful for a few minutes. We can deal with those people and put them in situations where they can get help or they can go the fuck away. I don't care. I don't care if that's an island. I don't care what you, what you do, what you do, what you do deserve some kind of, um, deserve some kind of major punishment, whether you're harming children or women or men. If you're harming anybody, you need to go somewhere. And everybody needs to know that that's your ass. Public flogging, castration, I'm into it. Jill, can you just tell them where they need to go one more time, where they need to go? What I say? The fuck away. The fuck away. Go the fuck away, wherever that is. That was me sending them away. Yeah. Go on somewhere with your sick self. That's what I need. That's what I want. God darn it. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Hey, y'all. It's Eves, a producer on the show. So, per usual, we're offering you resources related to the episode. Sexual assault affects so many people, and we want you to get the help you need or are seeking. 
you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network if you need support or to be directed to local resources. That number is 800-656-HOPE. That's 800-656-4673. The National Sexual Violence Resource Center also offers support to sexual assault survivors and information on sexual violence. Their number is 877-739-3895. Aside from those resources, Jill, Laia, and Aja did talk about prison abolition and the impact sexual violence has on Black women specifically. For that, you can check out the book Aja mentioned, Are Prisons Obsolete? by Angela Davis, and you can read Sojourner Truth's speech, Ain't I a Woman? I'll drop links in the episode description. So, this was uh, J.L. We are here (laughs) to spark conversation. And if you are inclined to implement something um, powerful for change, powerful for building uh, our community, please do so. Believe in us, believe in you. Thank you for listening to Jill Scott Presents J.L, the podcast. This podcast is hosted by Jill Scott, Laia St. Clair, and Aja Graydon Dantzler. Its executive producers are Jill Scott, Sean G., and Brian Calhoun. It's produced by Laia St. Clair and me, Eve Jeffcoat. The editing and sound design for this episode were done by Taylor Chacon. Yeah, shout out to uh, Angela Nizzle's brother. I know in Philly, he um, has a whole class where he teaches women how to use their pistol. So I'm definitely one who is for, it's our right. Our. J.Ill is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.